0: Welcome to another week of Bounce the Ball. On this episode, I have a special guest joining us all the way from the USA, Ross, who is a prominent YouTuber that runs a Chicago Bulls-centric YouTube channel named Arturis Service Fan Club. I've invited Ross onto the show today to discuss the origins of our love for the Bulls, the differing levels of basketball appreciation, the current state of the Bulls' roster, and their prospects for the up-and-coming season. It was a great conversation, and I really enjoyed having you on. So, without further ado, let's get amongst it. Welcome to another episode of Bounce the Ball. Uh, Today, on the show, I have a special guest. I'm pleased to welcome Ross, a.k.a. uh, uh, Arturus Karnashevis Fan Club, the YouTube extraordinaire. Okay, so, Ross is a prominent YouTuber, as I just mentioned. Uh, His knowledge of the Bulls is second to none. So, I've invited Ross onto the show today to discuss with me um, our love of the Bulls, uh, basketball appreciation in general, and the current state of the Bulls roster and their prospects for the coming NBA season. So, without further ado, Ross, how are you, mate?
1: I'm pretty good. Thank you so much for having me on, man. I'm really excited to do this today. Oh, you're welcome. You're welcome.
0: Yes, um, I'm actually a really big fan of yours. Uh, I've been following you quite a bit. Um, Yeah, like I said, your knowledge is second to none. I'm quite impressed with the vast array of understanding you have of the current Bulls roster and just Bulls in general. You are really on the ball, my friend, on the ball.
1: I appreciate that, man. Thank you so much. Yeah, I mean, it's an exciting time and and I'm sure we'll get into it, but uh, just so much to to take in lately and, and analyze. So there's been no shortage of content. No, not at all.
0: So, um on the show today, I thought we'd just go through a few different points of discussion. Um, I want to probably start off with our Bulls fandom origin stories. I'll obviously let you start. Um, we'll probably then get into our greatest Bulls memory from our childhood. Um I want to talk about the different levels of basketball appreciation, you know, ranging from the casual fan to obviously the level you're at, that you know, analytical base. Um, also, maybe, yeah, how the Bulls roster has improved over the 12 months and obviously getting to the current state that the roster's in this season and um, moving forward as well. And yeah, if we get a bit of time, we might chat about my other interest, the NRL, um, see how it's blossoming in America. Yeah, but so yeah, we'll get started off with a bit of Bulls fandom origin story, mate. So where did your love of the Bulls come from and start?
1: Yeah, so I, 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 you might know this already. I live in Arizona, um, but I'm originally from the suburbs of Chicago, and my dad, my whole family, you know, they're they're huge Chicago sports fans to the core. Um, you know, we're talking all the yep. major sports: baseball, basketball, football, all that stuff. American football, I should say, um, all that good yeah. stuff. So th- that's been a part of my blood uh, since I was born. I will say the first teams that I remember watching when I was growing up, um, it was like the Ben Gordon, Kirk Heinrich years um like right right before derrick rose got got drafted and then derrick rose got drafted and like yeah it it turned from a fandom into a passion and into a love um so that that's where it started for me just naturally um you know as a kid but then once derrick rose was in the fold that's when things really got you know ramped up for me as a fan
0: oh yeah i can imagine i can imagine cool so um yeah, myself, I'm a bit older, obviously. Uh, I come from the original generation of Jordan lovers. Uh, I followed I, in 1984 when I was a really, really young little tyke. I was watching the 1984 Olympics, obviously, and I was fascinated by this human being that could jump through the air. Um, yeah, with ease. And then... Obviously, I followed his career on from there to the Bulls, and I went through some painful early years with the Bulls. Um, I was told by a lot of my friends' fathers that, who were obviously Lakers and Celtics fans that the Bulls are crap and that they'd never succeed and Jordan <laughs> was just basically a show pony. Yeah, and until Phil Jackson came along and then, you know, so, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's, <laughs> yeah, funny. that's basically well, I, where um, I'm at. Could I ask you
1: a question? Yeah. So yeah, sure, growing up um you know like obviously I grew up after the Jordan era um when did it click for you that like oh this guy's like the greatest of all time like he's the best ever
0: um the best ever yeah like when Probably when did that conversation kind
1: of the third one
0: okay after the third ring yeah um before that it was there was always Is he as good as Larry? Is he as good as Magic? Like, his his athleticism was obviously always there. But there's just, you know, could he get to that next level and take his team to the next level? And then the first ring I felt was enough, but, you know, everyone kind of was still, yeah, it's just a ring. And then when it obviously became that dynasty, it was just undeniable at that point. Yeah. 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 That's cool. Yeah. Uh, And also being an Australian, uh, so when Jordan retired, I was a bit devastated, obviously, very devastated. But um, Luke Longley, he was the first Australian drafted into the NBA, and then he was traded to the Bulls in that time period. Yeah, so it gave me that extra incentive to keep following the Bulls. And, yeah, I've I've stayed loyal ever since, and I just love them. It has been painful ever since Jordan's retirement. Um, Even through the Rose era, I was – yeah, you know, optimistic but at the same time i was still like oh. yeah miami is a really crazy team <laughs> there wasn't really- yeah no
1: they they yeah they put us through it man they they definitely put us through it so i that it's just interesting you know from my era from my generation hearing what it's like to go from from jordan to like the early 2000s mid 2000s bulls like just a huge like falling off the cliff oh, you man.
0: know falling off the cliff like you would not believe. So I also follow a team in my uh, favorite football code over here, the NRL, called the West Tigers. They won a premiership in 2005, which was fantastic. But ever since then, it's kind of been like following the Bulls. okay? And in the last 10 years, we've had a diabolical front office making terrible decisions. So they let go the premier, basically premier fullback in the competition. That's like, you know, it's... Yeah, I won't get into positional play but he's like like basically voted the best player in the world for like three years and we're like yeah we can let him go and get this other bloke on the cheap and I'm like <laughs> we're just still fitting this out recently and it's just diabolical so yeah the Garpax era and what I'm going through at the moment with my other football team's front office is very reminiscent of each other but in Australia we're basically like a year behind in trends from America so I'm hoping and praying that The trend will follow that the Bulls got a new front office and started getting their shit together, that hopefully so will my West Tigers over here in Australia. Right. You guys need an AK. That's what you guys need. (laughs) Oh, yeah. We definitely need an AK. Um, So our former coach who won the premiership back in 2005 has actually been brought back as head of football for this next season. So fingers crossed. He's our AK. Nice. Yeah. 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 Yeah, so so that's our origin fan story. So what's your greatest memory then as a kid?
1: Well, I mean, you know, Derrick Rose winning MVP is like, I, that's kind of the, the peak of my fandom so far as, you know, what I've been able to, to comprehend. Like technically I was alive for the last two or three championships. I wasn't old enough to make memories at that point. Yeah, um, so it would be Derrick sense, Rose, yeah. right. Yeah, it's a comprehend. Um, So, like, there's kind of a few. So, like, Derrick Rose winning MVP, like, that whole season as a memory is just, like, the highest high I've felt as a basketball fan. Um, That season was incredible. You know, yeah, you know, you were there. Um, But then going back to, like, his game winner over the Cavs in the playoffs, like, that might be the single greatest moment I've watched as a fan of the Bulls. Um, You know, just in-game, probably, because that series, it felt winnable. At the time, it felt like, oh, my God, we could actually beat the Cavaliers finally. Like, Pau Gasol is hooping. Jimmy Butler's doing his thing. Derrick Rose is finally healthy. Like, it all felt like it was coming together. D-Rose hits that buzzer beater. Stone cold. No reaction. Just totally cold-blooded. Um, yeah, that that that's probably it. And I'm hoping we can make some new memories to top that very soon. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah,
0: that – um. Derek Rose is the original Kawhi, how cold stone, stone cold he was with everything he used yeah. to do. Yeah, uh, Did you see that clip the other day of the All-Star? I think it was the All-Star promo when all everyone's walking out or bouncing around and just walks out all casual like, yeah, hi. Yeah, I'm and he, I'm ready to go. And he
1: right. gives them the side eye like, I don't know what they're doing. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, bro, he was so He's... relaxed. Chicago kid, bro. Like, I, I, yeah. I mean, I'm sure you, and I you write know all about that so this. much. Right. Yeah. yeah. He's got Chicago in his DNAs. You know, he's not, he's not a Hollywood guy go- kind of guy. And I think you've seen that throughout all. the rest of his career, even with, you know, the recovery from the injuries, even when, you know, he could have gone to LA to chase a ring. Like he didn't do that. You know, he's always been a, a very true to his word kind of guy. So shout out to D Rose yeah. for sure.
0: Yeah. Genuine guy. Genuine guy. Yeah. So um, mine actually is a bit different. My, origin story uh my favorite uh moment it it would f- should be a jordan moment but it's actually a jordan deferring moment so um following jordan was awesome obviously but the guy's a myth in a sense you know like it's like he's actually an alien he's, he's not human so right. you're kind of idolizing him from afar it's not like you can ever actually match or reach that level that you're trying to Like, no one can be Jordan. But when he deferred to Steve Kerr, uh, yeah, that was the moment for me. Uh, When he looked over and Steve Kerr took that final shot, that was basically like Jordan deferring to me in my – that's what it felt like, if you know what I mean. Like, yeah, when I was a kid, I was like, I think, like 16 or 17 at the time uh, when that happened. So that was an amazing moment for me because Steve Kerr is just an Mm. awesome guy, you know, obviously. And – the way Jordan just handed that trust to him for that final shot was epic. Right. And then the next year, obviously, Jordan's final ever shot is... It's seared into my memory, but I think Steve Kerr's shot just gets just gets pipped. It just pips that. It's, yeah, it's one of my favorite moments in, in
1: Bulls history, for sure. Yeah, that's awesome. That's a leadership moment for Jordan. I mean, that's that's him trusting oh, his teammates, like he said. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's awesome.
0: That's... Yeah, it was. It was my favorite moment. I, cu- I couldn't believe it when he did it. And then the little speech that followed, um, I think they showed it again on the last dance, but that was televised worldwide at the time, and that was so funny. He was like, yeah, yeah. you know, I'm going to have to save this guy's you know, ass again. So it was just yeah, brilliant. Yeah. a brilliant take on the whole thing. Um yeah. great sense of humor, yeah, so, Steve. Kerr. It's really, really cool. Oh, guy. entirely. Yeah, yeah. Brilliant guy. Okay, so... It kind of brings us into kind of different levels of basketball appreciation. I think this is like going to be more your kind of feel to really have a spiel about here. So, yeah, um, it's interesting because I have had a bit of a casual appreciation for basketball, but in the last, I don't know, five years, especially in the last, I don't know, two years especially, I've really had yeah. more of a analytical understanding towards it. I, you know, following box scores, I look up a lot of um, kind of finer details of the game that I wouldn't normally have done, and I'm and I've gained a deeper appreciation for the sport by doing that.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, coming from like when I was a kid, you know, it was just love of the game, right? Like, and I'm sure yeah. you can relate to that too. It's like just enjoy watching this team play beautiful basketball and that's what it was you know when i was younger i watched the you know the heart hustle muscle teams um and like same thing with you watching the jordan teams like just beautiful basketball the way that they played um and i think as i got a little bit older you know i started to realize for one the bulls were were not you know this this destiny team that would eventually win it all that's how it felt you know, like the destiny of getting the number one overall pick to take the hometown kid who ends up being the youngest MVP ever. Like it all felt like it was building up to be this Cinderella story where they win the championship. And of course that didn't end up happening. Um, I think that's when I started to really take a look at basketball in a different light as less of a fan of the bulls and more of a fan of the sport. Um, And so that's when things definitely changed a little bit for me where it was like, I'm not, I'm not going to sit there and I'm, you know, even though I have my feelings about LeBron James like I I think you know I have I have thoughts and feelings about LeBron James we all do um but there was a certain turning point in my fandom when I was like I need to stop hating this guy so much and like appreciate what he does for the sport appreciate the sport a little more in general and I think that that moment like the LeBron thing specifically it really illustrated to me that like there's so much to love and understand about this game um it, it goes so deep so much deeper than yeah. just you know, I I hate this guy or I hate this team because they beat us. Um, you know, why did they beat you? What factors played into that? What could have happened differently? You know, what what do you need to do to beat a guy like that? And so I think that was the the turning point when I started spending more time researching what goes into scheme on on the basketball court. You know, I remember there was a really great interview with Mark Cuban um, back after the Mavericks beat the Heat in the NBA Finals. Um, It's like, this is how far back I'm thinking, like a decade. Um, And Mark Cuban was, it was with Skip Bayless and Skip Bayless was like, well, you know, the heat just didn't want it enough. And Mark Cuban was like, no, listen, you're, you're, you're spouting nonsense. You're not talking about the sport. You're talking about narratives. The sport is that we forced LeBron James to go to his left where he was uncomfortable. You know, you watch that series back, you see all of the different techniques they used to get LeBron on his most uncomfortable side of the court. Um, And that's analytics. That's looking at where he's bad at hitting those shots, where he turns the ball over the most. And yeah, like that was, that was a huge moment for me as a fan realizing like, like I don't need to listen to these ESPN guys say like, Oh, they didn't want it enough or they don't have enough heart. Like there's so much more to the sport. Um, So I think that's kind of when I, I bridged over from like being not even a casual fan, just like a diehard fan to more of an analytical fan. Um, and started looking at things from that perspective. And, you know, the past few seasons with the bulls, it's like, you have to look for silver linings because they're not readily apparent. You know, the team just wasn't very good. So it's like, when you want to make an argument, like Zach Levine is one of the best scorers in the NBA, well, you better have a pretty good argument (laughs) because people are going to say, well, then why don't the bulls win any games? You know, so you have to have, you have to know about the efficiency, you know, you have to know about the way that he can score from so many different levels and things like that. So, I, I think it's made me a better fan for sure. Um, it's also made me a more educated defender of my favorite team, which is kind of what it was for a little bit. Um, but yeah, man, I mean, at the end of the day, it's it's understanding the sport in general, what, what makes it so great. And, uh, you know, you love basketball just like I do. And I, I think the more people who can see it the same way we see it, I think the more people will appreciate yeah. it. Um, so that's kind of what I try to do with my channel is try to educate people and and make people a little yeah, a little more educated fans of the Bulls or the sport in general.
0: Yeah, that's essentially what I'm trying to do too. I'm trying to build the love of the game in Australia um, a little bit, anyway. My little part that I can. I, um, I'm a school teacher actually, as a day job, and I run a basketball program and uh, at my school. And yeah, it's probably the fastest growing sport in the country here at the moment. Um, we also got bronze at the Olympics too, which is, we're calling it our rose gold. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, yeah, yeah, uh, it's the highest we've ever finished at the Olympics. I think we've finished fourth or something like that before, but yeah, we're a bit of a mid-air nation when it comes to that. But I think, yeah, um, the way kids have applied themselves to the sport these days, they're just fascinated by it. They're starting to get a more of an analytical understanding too. The students that I'm teaching, um, they're really starting to apply X and O's. They're not just about the hype anymore either. They're trying to really understand the game in its depth, and it's great. Like, it only makes them better ball players too. Yeah. See, when I was growing up, analytics wasn't a thing, um, obviously. And yeah, the three-point shot, the evolution of the three-point shot has been the most interesting, interesting part of the game for me. Um, you'd, you'd be benched if you'd missed <laughs> uh, a few shots back in the day when I was watching basketball. And it was just, right. it wasn't a high percentage shot. You know what I mean? It was all about making sure that you got that high percentage shot off or you had someone like Jordan on your team <laughs> who could do something to that effect. <laughs> but, um, yeah. yeah, but it is all still about that high percentage shot, but it's about, you know, yeah, the percentages and the efficiency and uh, the rate of making them shots where you are better to make them shots from. Um, right. Yeah. It's quite interesting. It's like, fit what you were talking about before with um, understanding it was analytics, knowing where LeBron had to be, but having to drive in different directions. So that's like that crossover of analytics and X's and O's. Do you know what I mean? Like being able yeah. to apply the analytics in a, in an actual practical game situation on the fly. And I find that amazing. Exactly. That's like, yeah, that's, that's the beauty of the game what it's evolved into a lot of people hate on the on the modern game who are from my era but I can't man the way it's evolved it's beautiful like rugby league is kind of very very similar it was a very strong defensive kind of grind and used to like there was low scoring games and but as the game has evolved and it's sped up and um, the onus has become more on offense defense yeah. has become a lot more nuanced and the games just become a lot more interesting. Yeah. So, and it's the same with basketball. I just really want some more defense through the regular season, but that'd be, I'd appreciate that. I don't want to wait to go yeah. to the end of the end of the year to start seeing some good defensive plays by
1: teams. Yeah. I'm, I'm with you on that. And uh, you know, the game is, is amazing and I'm with you. The, the modern game gets a lot of flack. Um, and I think there are certain aspects of it that we could work on. Um, like going from the Olympics, wa- watching FIBA, you know, watching the, the, the Team USA play in the Olympics against all of these great teams that are so well coached from throughout the entire world um, and seeing the, the differences in the rules and the way that they play versus how we play in America. Um, and like, I'm sure you've probably noticed this too, watching, you know, the Australian teams versus, you know, going into yeah. the exhibitions against Team USA, like it's, it's, it's different. And the, the international game, I would argue, has more going for it. And so that's why, I, you know, I, I, I love seeing our sport travel and grow and become global. Um, but I do wonder, you know, is there, is there a, a subsection of fans that are growing up today, younger than me, um, you know, younger than both of us that are watching the game and thinking, I'm more interested in like the FIBA rules, like the NBA rules I'm not so hype on. Um, but like, I like the physicality of, of, well, you know, in America, we generally just call the international game. I know it's a very, um, yeah. I don't know, non-descriptive way to to describe it because so many leagues have so many different rules, but I'm, I'm talking specifically like the Olympics and FIBA, um, the physicality of it, um, the importance of the center position that we've kind of gone away with because some of the new rules that we've implemented within the paint, um, looking at, yeah, like you were talking about high percentage shots, um you know passing the ball like like what the spurs did back in the mid 2000s what the warriors did in the 2010s um you know your euroleague ball has been on top of that they've been there done that um and so just being unselfish with the basketball creating opportunities for your teammates um i'm a big fan of of the rules uh that we've seen in fiba and i i would be interested to see how those rules might translate a little more to the nba um to make people work a little harder for those fouls um allow a little bit that- more yeah, a little bit more toughness, a little more grittiness um, from the guys that, you know, like we, we look at a guy like Trey Young um, or James Harden who like to draw fouls a lot. Well, maybe you got to work a little harder for those fouls, you know, when, when, when we're not calling yeah. every single thing down the lane. Um, so that's how I look at it, you know, as like I, I as an American basketball fan, um, I'm very intrigued about the rules that go on throughout the rest of the world and how players in our league would be able to adapt to those.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think the most interesting adaption that was the, uh, the five fouls limit and yeah. the paint rules, they were the most interesting I, I found. Um, that would yeah. really improve the game immensely, I think, in the NBA, if they just allowed the paint to get a bit more clogged up. I know it's all about the showmanship and seeing the big dunks and things like that, and it's about entertainment, but the level of gameplay would improve so much. It would force teams to be more creative in the shot selections. And like you yeah. said, look for that extra pass to find the open man instead of what some of the stuff we watch. Like I love watching Steph Curry play, but I, I kind of get sick of that whole like ISO stuff a lot. I really do. And, yeah. um, but it's ridiculous um, seeing him get triple teamed and four man teamed on him. It, just like that game uh, when Zach scored thirty-nine uh, in the first half last year against the Hawks, and they got no support yeah. in the second half. It was only he only accumulated another eleven points in the second half, didn't he? From the way that they were triple-teaming him. Yeah, yeah, he just had no support at all. Everyone. It was that was yeah. devastating, and, I, and it should have really been. It should have been a, a sixty-point a game. It should have, if not yeah. more, the way he was on fire. He just had no support from his teammates. I'm sure we'll get to that.
1: Yeah, in the roster yeah.
0: situation. Yeah, so.
1: Yeah, I could go on yeah. about that game. But yeah, I, I think you, you hit the nail oh, on the head. Dude. Is Support for teammates is creating opportunities for your teammates. And yeah, I, I won't get too far into it. That game, I took exception with some of Billy Donovan's rotations. um, But I'm sure we'll, we'll get into Same. the current roster in a minute. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he was on fire that day, but. Zach Levine yeah. is an absolute beast and probably one of the most underappreciated human beings in the NBA. Yeah. Without a doubt. Without a doubt, indeed. Okay, so that kind of segues us into, perfectly, into how the Bulls roster has improved over the last
1: 12 months. Yeah. So, uh, has it? <laughs> I think it has. I mean, this, this is... Oh, yeah. I'm, so. I'm being totally sarcastic. This is... <laughs> This yeah. is the best team I've seen since, um you know, the Rose Butler years for sure. And, like, yeah, you could maybe even make an argument um that this team is a little more well-rounded. You know, it's not so focused on so. you need Jimmy Butler or Rose to be a superstar, you know? No.
0: And as great as Noah was, Vuc is next level. I see, actually, um, Nikola Vucevic being, like, one of the more underappreciated elements of our roster, who is going to be an absolute
1: beast. Yeah, absolutely. He's kind of flying under the radar a little bit um, this offseason with, and yeah, we can get into it. The 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 additions that the Bulls have made, um, obviously bringing in Lonzo Ball, DeMar DeRozan, Alex Caruso, um, and then a few more depth pieces beyond that. But I mean, there's three new dudes to your starting lineup in, in Lonzo Ball, DeMar DeRozan, and Nikola Vucevic. Um, And, you know, you draft Patrick Williams, who's technically he's a new addition too. like Zach Levine's the only guy who's been here. Um, You know, Kobe White's been here, but like Zach Levine is the only longest he's the longest tenured bull. um, And he's the only guy who's been here through all of the different rebuilds of the past few seasons. So Nikola Vucevic, I feel like, you know, we make the trade deadline trade for him. Um, You know, we make the other trades to Daniel Tice, Trey Brown Jr. Um, And, you know, the end of the season obviously was disappointing. It's that's no secret. Um, I feel like they were really hitting a stride there. And then Zach got COVID. Yeah. Yep. And that that sucked. And we know what happened. They missed the playoffs. But you come into this offseason making all of these other new moves now. And it's like, well, hold on. You guys still acquired this all-star who just came off as his best season yet as a pro, um, who is now going to be like the third or fourth best player on the team. Like we just went from the guy that we acquired at the trade le- deadline to be our second star. And now he could be argued, you know, maybe the third best player on the roster. And it's like, yeah, it's crazy. The changes that th- that they've made with this guy, Nikola Vucevic, who I'm specifically talking about um, flying under the radar because he's still so good. You've just added other good talent on top of it. Um, and I think he fits I, like the fit thing keeps being brought up with DeMar DeRozan. I think Nikola Vucevic fits great. And I'd love to hear your thoughts on that too. Oh,
0: entirely. Yeah. Um, Funny thing was the end of last year, a lot of, you know, mainstream pundits of the NBA heavily, like they're knocking the bulls for not making the play in last year. And they're just literally not taking into account the amount of shit that got thrown their way in that last, I think it was two month stretch missing Zach with COVID for 12 games. No one can recover from that. He is the absolute linchpin of our team. And I remember one of the games um, when he came back is we played the Nets with Vooch, and we wiped the floor with them. We actually destroyed them. Kyrie and Kevin Durant were looking at each other like, we were defending the hell out of them. It was an amazing game. They obviously did come back and get a square up on us at the back end there. But it it, it was telling there was something building. Just with the roster that we had at the back end of last year, we could have made the play-in easy if we didn't yeah. have, if we had a smooth path to make it there in my mind. You know, if COVID, if we were not affected by COVID, But in saying that other teams were affected by COVID as well. So, you know, you take it as it comes. Yeah. But to say that we didn't improve from the Vooch trade at the back end of last season is a fallacy. It's ridiculous. It's just, and they're people who just looked at numbers and this is the other problem with right. analytics. I do appreciate it, but People do get lost in the numbers and they don't watch games enough to understand yeah. the actual, how it actually played out in, yeah. In the moment yeah. itself.
1: You know, it's, yeah, it's funny. Numbers you don't explain that
0: everything, do they?
1: They don't, they really don't. Yeah. And you have to watch the games. And like, that's another thing um, that I've been trying to do with my channel too, is like wa- watch tape, you know, watch game, game film. Yeah, um, Cause you can look at the numbers. You need to put the numbers in context and it all works together. Um, And so I think even with like the numbers around DeRozan and Lonzo Ball and Vucevic, like so many people bring up defense. So many people bring up, oh, the ball's going to stick. It's like the numbers don't even support that. Like the Bulls had the 12th best defense in the NBA last season. Uh, DeMar DeRozan is one of the the most elite passers in the game. Lonzo Ball is a great transition passer. Um, Nikola Vucevic is the best catch and shoot shooter in the entire NBA. He scored the most points off of catch and shoot of any player. And the margin between first and second was like ridiculous. So like even when people bring up yeah. the numbers and context to the Bulls, I'm like, you don't even you don't even have those right. So uh, th- yeah. that's something I caution people to being think about very when...
0: very selective when forming right. the narratives.
1: Right. Very selective, and these narratives that you hear from like I don't know Stephen A. Smith, the guys on the now defunct the Jump. There was a thing a couple weeks ago before that show got canceled. Yeah, and like you know what, when you open your mouth and you say something like that, I just, I don't take you seriously as a basketball expert in general. Like at that point I recognize, okay, you are saying this for entertainment value. This is a, this is a narrative. This has no basis in reality. There's no point in me getting upset and losing my mind about it because that was never the argument in the first place. You're not coming from an educated standpoint. You're not arguing analytics or film or anything, you know, you're just saying stuff. So that, that's something casual I try to caution takes. people. Right, casual hot takes. Like, you see guys on NBA Twitter, you see guys on ESPN, like, they're just saying stuff, man. Like, you, what you should do as a fan is is trust your resources. Um, great podcasts like this one, the one that we're on right now. Um, there's a lot of really great Bulls podcasts out there I would encourage people to check out. So don't don't get all your information from ESPN, I guess, is my advice for for the casual fan.
0: Oh, please don't. Yeah. Um please. or um people like Bill Simmons. Uh, uh, if I've heard some of the the shittest takes about Zach Levine from that guy ever, it's like you don't even watch the Bulls to make the to say. He doesn't watch the basketball. Yeah, no, he can't. He, he obviously can't. Um no. He said some stuff about uh Aaron uh, what was it? uh what's his name over at Sacramento Kings. Um uh Deer and Fox. Yeah, De'Aaron Fox. Sorry, keep on. I was mixing his name, the Aaron D. Fox or De'Aaron Fox. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah so De'Aaron Fox. Um. Yeah, and he said something about him the other day. I'm like, dude, you don't even watch basketball. There's not a chance on earth you could be watching basketball to be saying these shit right. hot takes. Like, unbelievable.
1: Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I stopped. I had to stop listening to Bill. He just made me mad because, like, he watches like four Celtics games a year, and that's where yeah, he bases yeah. all of his basketball takes off of. And it's like, <laughs> come on, man. Like, at least. At least admit that you're not watching the games. You know, like don't yeah. pretend. You don't that even you watch want. highlights, like, you Just, just admit it. Right, <laughs> right. And you could say like, this is a gut feeling that it has no basis in reality. Like, okay, that's a little better. But he, he, his nickname is the sports guy. He wrote the book. You know, the the big book of basketball. Like that's Bill Simmons. People think of Bill Simmons as a basketball expert, but he's just in 2021, at least. Um, he's not the most reputable source for for basketball information. No, he's probably
0: like. Probably does movie reviews is better reputable source than a basketball.
1: Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: Anyway. His, yeah. his
1: top seven favorite Grammy albums or whatever. Yeah. Bill Simmons is uh, the ringer. And, gen- you know, I used to be a big fan of Grantland and I, not to um, deviate too far from the, the topic here, uh, but Grantland yep. back in the day was one of my, fa- I wanted to be a sports journalist when I was in high school. Um, Grantland was like the place I would go to read great, like pop culture sports. Uh, you know, they had all kinds of great writers. And then, you know, transitioning to the ringer, I thought it would be kind of more of the same. Um, and it it never was. And I, I really long for that day in sports journalism. Um, you know, like back when he was doing 30 for 30s and stuff like that, like those were really sure. high quality pieces of sports journalism. Um, you know, I, I wish we could see more of today. Yeah, same.
0: Same. Okay. Kind of like brings us well, – we kind of covered that a fair bit just then, talking about um, – yeah. The current roster so what are your
1: hopes and prospects actually for the coming season my friend yeah uh it's a great question because there are so many different levels of take you know the, the hot take that the bulls could be like a top four seed um you know kind of the lukewarm take that they'll be like in the five to six yeah. range and then i guess you kind of come back around to another hot take which is that they'll be in the plan or they won't make the playoffs at all um and yeah, we kind of just talked about that with like the ESPN guys who think that the Bulls haven't gotten any better. I'm of the opinion that this team should be a top six at worst seed. I, I'm feeling closer to top four if if they're able to play the way that they should. Um, and yep. I've talked about this extensively um, on some of my videos, but just talking about fit. Um, you know, today was media day for the Bulls, uh, so you had Demar Rosen um, Lonzo ball, Zach Vooch, they all spoke to the media. You also had Billy Donovan and Nicole and, um, Arturis speak to the media. And, um, okay. when, when Billy Donovan was speaking, you know, he was asked, what's, what's kind of the idea for the offense, you know, going forward. Um, and he mentioned some things about playing with more speed, um, getting guys into the positions that fit them the best. And then when Lonzo ball was up at the podium, he was asked, you know, how do you feel your role will be in this team when he was with the Pelicans Uh, You know, he felt upset that he was being used like a three and D kind of player and not more of a facilitator on offense. Um, So, you know, Lonzo said that he expects to play more of a traditional point guard point guard role. But at the same time, you know, Billy Donovan is the coach. He'll trust what the coach says and what positions they put him in and he'll do what it takes to to help the team win. Um, When I look at it, I see a team that should be built around DeMar DeRozan as the facilitator. Um, He should be the drive and kick guy. Alonzo uh, Ball, even though it's not his favorite role, he is really, really good at catch and shoot threes. He was top 10 in the NBA last season yeah. in catch and shoot threes, actually. So like he's very good in that role. And if you have DeMar DeRozan, who has such an elite mid-range game, um, who's one of the best drivers, you know, just in terms of how many times per game he's driving the lane, um, and his success rate and his passing rate and doing those, um, it's all very encouraging. It all feels really good to see. Um, so the ideal Chicago bulls offense in my mind revolves around DeMar DeRozan breaking down defenses and kicking it out to guys like Zach Levine, who is just an outrageously amazing three-point shooter, Nikola Vucevic statistics say the best catch and shoot shooter in the entire league. DeMar DeRozan, or I'm sorry, uh, Lonzo ball top 10 in catch and shoot threes. Like you have all of these guys who excel at shooting and driving, Um, you know, Once again, Vucevic is great on the pick and roll. He's a great role, man. Zach Levine is probably one of the best cutters in the entire NBA because of his speed and athleticism. Um, So you have all of these different guys who I feel like all serve um, great roles on this offense. And when it comes to what Lonzo Ball wants and what he expects, I'm sure he'll get plenty of time playing the traditional point guard role when DeMar DeRozan is off the court. Uh, But when they're on the court together, you know, that's what I would expect to see. And if they can maximize that potential of that offense that we see, you know, on paper, this team could be really, really good, man. And, and Zach Levine taking his game to the next level, you know, he was saying during media day today that playing with team USA, he feels like has shown him a new level. um, Not only in, you know, just playing the game, but being a leader and and being a a part of something great winning a gold medal. So i was noticing that from watching you play there. Right, very confident. Um, it looks like he's settling into that role as like a, a legitimate leader in, in, and a superstar in the NBA today. And if they, he looks more yeah, sure if, of
0: himself than he ever has before. Exactly. Have and you if, noticed if that? If they keep those, yeah,
1: yeah I have. I, I he he seems so so headstrong and, and steadfast in what he believes is right um, for the future of his career, the future of the Bulls. Yep. You know, there there were times in the past couple seasons where. The, the rumors come out that like, oh, well, maybe the Bulls are looking to trade him. Maybe they're looking to do this. Maybe they're looking to do that. Those days are over. The Bulls aren't looking to trade him. They've committed to building around Zach Levine. And I think you can see that it's kind of reciprocated and the way he talks about the yeah. team, the way he carries himself. Like he knows now he's the guy. And, and I think he's doing a good job of settling into that role as the main star on this team that we have built around. Um, and that's a huge maturity thing. You know, this is, this is the first time in his career where he's coming into a season. Um, I think it, he's had the same coach for consecutive years before, um, but you know it feels different with Billy Donovan. Uh, like he, he had Jim Boylan for half a season, and then he came into the next year with Jim Boylan again. Um, that's the closest Zach Levine has ever been to having consistency at the head coaching position isn't that crazy? And like he even, I know. And even during his press conference today, someone asked a question about that, about like going into your second season with the same head coach for a full season, um, for the first time in your career. And he, he literally said under his breath, he goes, it's crazy. Right. And he cracked a smile and it's like, I'm happy for him. You know, like it's validation. It's vindication. It's, it's this guy who has been, yeah, has been doubted um, the narratives, the trade rumors, the this, the that, like finally, he has a team that is built to his strengths with a front office that believes in him. So, with all of those factors combined, I've been saying it for a while, and I know some people think I'm crazy, but I do think if the Bulls are a top five seed and Zach continues his scoring output and efficiency from last season, you know that he had the scoring output and efficiency last season to be in the MVP conversation. The team just wasn't Definitely. good. The team wasn't winning. So if he is doing those things and the team is winning, Zach Levine should, without a doubt, be in the MVP conversation. Um, so you want to talk hope. That's my hope for this season, um, is that the the gears are oiled properly. We're running like a, a well-oiled machine. Um, Expectation-wise, no worse than six seed. If they're worse than the six seed, something bad happened, um, be it an injury or something else that we can't foresee Um, And, you know, I'll knock on wood, hopefully nothing like that happens. But those are my expectations for this season.
0: Yeah. Hopefully we've had our injury problems already and they're done and dusted for the year. Just a sprained ankle and a repaired shoulder that looks like it's come good. So that sounds good to me. Uh, We don't need any more drama. Um, Yeah, I'm actually not completely sold on Lonzo yet. I've got a different kind of outlook on him. Um So, I do rate him as a player a lot, but I've also kind of like got a bit of an aversion to the whole like LeVar ball and that whole like shit hype show that happened when that all, when they first came into the NBA. So, there's that. But I'm, I'm trusting you uh, entirely on that one. Um, I've, I'm actually really, really impressed with signing Alex Caruso. Um, I think that's like a dark horse signing that people aren't really paying too much attention to that is, gonna prove really significant for us his defensive capabilities uh his playmaking capabilities off the bench the fact that he's got like you know championship experience it all counts yeah. um there's some other things as well like I, i've i've joked with my friend who's a lakers fan that he may have the hot top time machine lakers but we do have the dunk contest pools
1: this year for sure so it's true
0: it's
1: very true even yeah. caruso yeah even caruso pulls it out every oh, now yeah, and, man. and he'll 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 yam it down on someone way bigger than him. Yeah. 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 Caruso is like the greatest YMCA. I don't know if that's a reference for you, but like the greatest rec league looking baller. Like he looks like a dude who you'll just see at Saturday rec league, you know, picking up the ball, ready to run some five on five, but like the dude can hoop. And yeah, you're right. One of the most underrated signings of the off season.
0: Yeah. Um, I was a bit disappointed in Larry and the way that all unfolded. I actually saw a, in my mind, that Lowry had a position on this team if he'd just scaled back his expectations about his career and just decided to, to do another year of development instead of expecting to be, you know, I don't know. It's like he's got a bit of an ego problem there. Um, it, it probably inhibited him from finding his place on our team. I, I could see him as part of a second unit being fairly effective with Bradley, but, you know, that's that ship sailed now, so... Yeah, the second unit's going to be interesting this year. Um, do you rate Derek Jones Jr. much?
1: I like Derek Jones Jr. Um, you know, like you were talking about dunk contests. The, there's a guy who's won it, yep. and will it be a dunk contest every night, pretty much if he's playing. Um, you know, I think defensively he brings some good depth. That was a concern for the second unit. Um, was like, are we going to have enough depth defensively to like keep up with teams? Um, you know, like the 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 hot topic for a couple of weeks was like Paul Millsap. Oh, we should sign Paul Millsap. Um, we need some some defensive yeah. depth. Um, and it ended up being Derek Jones Jr. who we acquired and you know, I, I don't know how he slot how he slots into the four necessarily. I'm not too hyped on overrating positions. Um, like I think when you look at what Tony Bradley can do from the center position, I feel like you can pair him with a guy like Derek Jones Jr. Or even Stanley Johnson, um, or even yeah, Alize sure. Johnson, who I who I do want to get into because I'm I'm a big Alize Johnson fan. Um, so I think Derrick Jones Jr. will be a good depth piece, to, especially watching Patrick Williams recover from this injury, which once again hopefully is quick. Yeah. Um, it sounds like he'll be ready around the first week of the season, which could mean he looks maybe pretty he'll... good already,
0: man. He was shooting. Yeah. Golf. Uh, he's... Did you see them shooting um, golf balls the other day? He's got to put all that weight on his left leg because he's right-handed, and he didn't seem like he was having that much of an issue.
1: Right, exactly. He was at media day today. They did they did a full, um, you know, full body picture of him, uh, no wrapping or anything like that. He's not in crutches, obviously. Um, he seems to be walking yeah. okay, so it's probably more of a rest. I thing. think they're just being a bit um, extra
0: cautious with him. Yeah,
1: right, right. Give him give him some days of rest because another big um, conversation with Patrick Williams this offseason. Uh, that was coming out of media day today was conditioning. And I guess last yep. season, Billy Donovan saw some issues with his conditioning, uh, which is understandable, you know, had the COVID shortened season coming out of college. Um, and once again, coming right out of college, a 19 year old uh, who was actually a sixth man in college. Um, so a lot of adjustments, yes. you know, he got drafted and was playing in the NBA like a month and a half later, you know? So like it, a lot of adjustments for for a kid in that situation um conditioning wise so then we saw at summer league this offseason you know they were playing him pretty hard for for summer league for a second year player who's firmly a part of the starting lineup you know he was getting some some heavy summer league minutes and i think back then i was like man that's kind of why would you do that you know you you don't want to risk him getting hurt and i think in retrospect we look back on it and it's actually because they're trying to get him up to game speed um and condition his body for a bit more conditioned Exactly. For a full yeah. season. So I think with this injury, you know, looking at the timeline, I think it's more like, all right, you're conditioned. You're, you're pretty much ready to go for the season. Get some rest, yeah. you know, don't, don't put any more unnecessary burden on yourself, get some rest. And we can now going back to the Derek Jones jr. Conversation now with Patrick Williams, taking some time off, we can get a look at that bench depth and we can give them some run in the preseason and see what we really have. And so I think you're going to see an open competition um, between Derek Jones Jr., Stanley Johnson, Alize Johnson, I mean, hell, we've even got Ethan Thompson, um, Tyler Cook. Uh, there's a couple other guys that got invited to to training camp. Um, so, like, there there will be opportunities for these guys to show what they have and try to make the final 15 man roster. Um, and that's that's going to be what we'll see with Patrick Williams out. Like, who who steps up? You know, I'm actually hoping it's
0: Marco Simanovic.
1: Marco would be great. Oh man. Yeah. I feel like, and I, I want to hear your thoughts on this too. I feel like watching him in summer league, it's a dude who's still like one year away, you know, like physically.
0: Yeah. But I could see him. He looks like he's a workhorse, but and he loves the work. He looks like he's yeah. a guy who just loves the game too. Um, he's yeah. got a brilliant pedigree coming from the same club and basically gym that Jokic came from as well. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. Um AK seen something in him and he knows yeah. what he's looking for. I as you, you know as we say in AK we trust and I do trust him right. immensely. Um yeah. I was highly impressed by him. I just see him maybe struggling for a few games just you know the thing that really impresses me about him he does not care about being posterized. He just wants to get in there right. and play the game. He doesn't have that like he doesn't care if someone dunks on him. He's got to make the play and that's the most important right. part of him. That's the attitude I want to see in a kid. Okay, I, I don't want to. These European players they have a massive benefit for not being having like the social media ego kind of like fluff that happens with a lot of the young American talent that comes through. So like you saw it yeah. with Luca, and I'm really yeah. expecting massive things out of Marco as well. Like I actually yeah I'm hyped for him massively. Everyone's not really talking much about him, but he spent that extra year. Yeah, you know, we we left yeah. him to develop a bit yeah. longer and i think um i wouldn't mind seeing i get a bit of time as well but i, don't, I think that's a bit more optimistic
1: <laughs> well you know it, it, that's another thing too with kobe white recovering from his injury um you know i will definitely get some opportunities during the preseason and if he's able to impress defensively you know like offensively he's still raw yeah. he's still got a ways to come on on that side of the ball and i think we're not going to ask him to do too much And if he can come in and give us some solid defensive minutes from the guard position, yeah, I mean, while Kobe White's recovering, he could see some playing time. And back to Marco, dude, I'm so with you. I love his mindset, his aggressiveness. Um, He sees the court very well. He's got great vision for a big guy, um, able to pass the ball really well. So like, I I think he has a ton of great skills that will make this team even better once he's ready. I just think physically what I saw in, in Summer League, like if it's the same guy that it was two months ago, a month ago, um, he's not ready. That guy was not ready physically uh, for the the speed and the the strength of the league. Um, but that that can change. those are those things are easy to fix. You know, get the guy on an NBA um, diet in a training facility. Yeah. you know I,
0: I'll take all that on board, but I do recall pundits saying very similar things about a certain MVP from last year when he first entered the league. So, true. you know, and he did prove everyone pretty much wrong uh, straight away. So I'm hoping that um, young Marco takes a leap out of his Idol's book and comes to the bulls and tears the house down. I'd love to see Absolutely. Jokic actually come across too. That would be nuts, wouldn't it? But yeah.
1: <laughs> so that's something I've talked about too. And we could we could do a little bit of future projection um, but like 2023, yeah. Nikola Vucevic comes off the books for the Bulls um, and DeMar DeRozan will be in the final year of his contract, a much easier uh, contract to trade as an expiring deal. Um, and then, yeah, Jokic is an unrestricted free agent. So who knows? Maybe the goal is to uh, to one day try to lure him into Chicago. Who knows? I don't
0: know. But, yeah. I mean, okay, I just you know, happen to have a really, really good relationship. So. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> He is a benefit mate uh AK okay. He's amazing for what he's brought to the club. Um, his understanding of the game, that European connection, its that's the future of the league. I know it's a bit of an affront to most Americans, but if you see the way um, the Olympics played out, there's so much talent coming out of Europe and they're knocking on the door. And yeah, like I said, they don't... Um, the game isn't predicated on ego or hype; it's predicated on making the right play. So, I just see them having, yeah, that beneficial future in league.
1: Yeah, and the versatility too. I mean, that's that's something AK oh, totally. talks about so much. Um, having players who play on both ends of the court, you know, having guys who can play multiple positions. Um, and we talked about it earlier, talking about like FIBA and Euroleague and, and all those different leagues across the world. Like, there, there's it's a different style because it's not so predicated, like you said on flashy athleticism it's it's predicated on fundamentals and and I think building yeah. a team AK is just ahead of the curve on that one I mean he obviously is he benefits from being an international player um but he's been a scout what since the 90s like the dude has been yeah. ahead of the 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 curve in the NBA for a long time and you see it with Jokic obviously I'm hoping Marko Simonovic is is more of the same um but you know he he loves scouting guys uh from all around the world so every every draft that we go into like second rounders are going to be a big deal and then in the gar packs yeah. era we would just we would just sell second rounders for cash like second rounders yeah. are a big deal now we're talking about guys who could end up being major rotational pieces so it, it just it goes to show you what doing yeah. your due diligence uh can can get you you know doing your homework
0: yeah um yeah, entirely, entirely. Yeah, so okay. We have, so is there any other things you'd like to chat about? Anything about Media Day? Anything about anything at all that you'd like to bring up, have a discussion about?
1: Yeah, I mean so Media Day was cool. Um, you know, we heard from a lot of guys. Uh Zach sounds like we talked about confident. Um and the thing that cop brought up again, this is probably the the only other major thing that I feel like we should address. Um, is Zach's contract situation? Uh, because yeah. that, that's going to be a converse, that's going to be a conversation this this whole season. Um, and it, it's still, you know, happening right now. People talking about like, oh, well, Zach will be a free agent next offseason. Maybe he'll come to the Sixers or he'll come to the Wizards or he'll come to the Celtics, like all these different conversations. Um, my perspective on it, and I'm sure you probably feel similarly, uh, Zach ain't going anywhere. Um, some of the phrasing, some of the, the language they use today in their press conferences, like AK making it very clear that they are committed to Zach Levine long-term. Zach saying that he has a great relationship with Arturis and Billy Donovan, you know, and saying that he wants to win, and he wants to win in Chicago. Um, The Bulls can offer him the most amount of money for the longest number of years next offseason. So all of that to me says that Zach is going to re-sign for the Max, and there's nothing to worry about. We're just going to have to deal with all the chatter.
0: Yeah. It's just like putting up with all the shit takes from his fans uh, yep. throughout the offseason. Yeah. Are we going to trade for Zach Levine here? Here, have our trash and we'll take Zach off you.
1: No, we're right. Thank right. you. Go away. Yeah. The whole like who's for Levine straight up thing. Like, come on, bro. Get real. Oh, man.
0: <laughs> who who makes that call and thinks that anyone's going to take them seriously is beyond me. Right. Do.
1: AK doesn't get fleeced. Yeah. AK does the fleecing. He's the one who's out there fleecing yeah. teams in these these garbo trades getting Lonzo Ball for two players that weren't even part of the the future of the franchise. You know, and that's I guess that's the other thing that people are talking about this off season um in the context of Arturius Carnishovus is like are we spending too much? Are we are we Throwing too many assets at these other teams to get these players, you know, to that, I would say, you look at the Spurs trade and the Pelicans trade, we were able to recoup those assets. We were able to get a first and a second yep. back in the Laurie Markinen trade. So like, if you want to talk assets, we've already matched it. If you want to talk money, Lonzo Ball's contract is only going to look better as the salary cap goes up. Same thing with DeMar DeRozan. But like I said, you know, you get two good years out of yeah. DeRozan and then he's on an expiring the future contract. future projecting here. Yeah. yeah there's they're creating championship windows not just one window you know they're creating multiple opportunities at different levels um in the future you know 2023 2026 and so on um to get out of contracts and and retool as they see fit so money salary cap it's such a myth the salary cap is so fake it's so made up look at what the lakers did this off season like the salary not. cap doesn't exist and the bulls are finally operating like a team that understands that
0: yeah <laughs> They're finally acting like a, um, you know, a large market franchise for the first time in how many years? Thank God. Right. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, It's a a new (laughs) era for for Bulls basketball.
0: Oh, thank God. Thank God. I can't (laughs) believe how diabolical it got at stages. Like, I'm obviously still a bit of a Butler fan, but um, yeah, yeah, I always have a bit of love for Jimmy and D-Rose. Anyone who's played for the Bulls, you know, I I kind of keep a bit of love for. Yeah, yeah, it's um,
1: we I'm, treat our former players people. well, Some people. Yeah, we do, we, we, I think we do. we do. Yeah, we do right by that. We get and a bit astonished like... when
0: people like um, campaign show up, <laughs> it was like, what the fuck, yeah, like, yeah,
1: man. and like yeah. Bobby Portis, like I, the whole Bobby Portis <laughs> versus Cameron Payne in the playoffs thing, it was like, okay, okay, I guess I didn't okay. see that coming. Alternative but, yeah.
0: universe, fine, yeah,
1: yeah. Like you tell me in 2017 when campaigns rolling up to media day with the, the scooter that in, in four years he'd be winning the NBA finals or in the NBA finals that's rather, I'd call you insane. But you know what, man? I mean, yeah. that's, that is the Chicago fan base, the Chicago bulls fan base. We treat our, our, our guys like family. And when they go off and do other yeah. things with other teams, we want to see them succeed still. And that's why when a guy like, I don't know, Chandler Hutchison, um, decides randomly to like, you know, shit on his former team. It's like, bro, we were never, we were always nice to you. I don't understand. You know, where's that coming from? Yeah, we really
0: were. That's what I don't understand. Yeah. Yeah. You don't really get much hate from your Chicago fans when you're in Chicago. So I don't understand shitting on them when you leave. I understand like you might have disagreed with some front office decisions, but yeah, don't take it out on the team.
1: Yeah, And don't take it on the fans. Like he was doing it on TikTok and it's like, yeah, fans didn't do anything to you. Now I will say Denzel Valentine has a, a very valid reason to not want to communicate with Bulls fans ever again. I don't blame him. Uh, we were we were harsh on Denzel, for sure.
0: Yes. To be fair, I did defend Denzel at times. You know that game last year? Um, we all know the game I'm talking about. That pull-up three, the air ball. Um, throughout that game, people were like, you know, shitting on him a bit. I'm like, man's playing, the dude's playing pretty good at the moment, like, on both yeah, ends. he was. And then he did that, and I'm like, no, I can't defend you anymore, dude. I've tried, I've tried, and I've tried, and you just do this shit game in, game out. I'm done. But that's
1: the quintessential Denzel Valentine game where, like, he gives you so much hope because he does so many of the right things, and you're like, oh, finally, finally. You get it. You get it. You understand. You need to play defense. You need to play make. You need to facilitate the offense as a, a tall guard. Um, who has guard skills? He's a very good passer, he's a very good defender yeah. or solid defender. And like he's doing it, you know, he gets the ball back. We're going down the, the the other side of the court, we've got this perfect opportunity to make this comeback. And two steps he takes one step forward and two steps backwards is what it feels like. And, yeah. and, and that's yeah, I don't even
0: want to see my issue with him. I know, yeah. He's got a high. He's got a high ceiling, but he's got an extremely low floor as well. So, <laughs> yeah.
1: Just yeah, the, the so. ultimate heat check player. You never know what you're getting every night. Oh, and it, it, he was like, he was like one of the most, in my personal opinion, unpredictable players. Because like you could predict like, oh, he'll probably jack up a three here, but every now and then he'd be jacking threes like step back threes from the logo, and he's just hitting them, and like it just comes out All of right. nowhere. I don't know the Cleveland fans. I don't know if any Cleveland fans are listening, but if they are, uh, you guys are in for a wild ride. It is just – Dude, like, your post no earlier was
0: the greatest post I've ever seen. That was that made me laugh out loud so hard. It's like one about public a public service announcement to, yeah, to unemployed people and unemployed friends. It's all right. It's all right. right. If Denzel can get a job, one day you can as well.
1: Exactly. That, that's hope for for everyone out there. If, if you're struggling to find a job, yeah. Denzel Valentine was able to find one in his in his preferred field. You can find one in your preferred field, I'm sure.
0: <laughs> oh, gold, gold. Oh, uh, okay. Um, so I think we've covered a lot of bull stuff. Um, yeah, yeah, quite enjoyable talk. I've enjoyed that indeed. So just quickly before I let you go, uh, I wonder if you know much about rugby league at all, the other sport that I like to cover on my
1: here i'm gonna tell you man i i don't know anything actually i i you know what i i know some of the crossovers between like american football and rugby um because i know that those are some of the origins of american football uh but as far as like yeah. following the sport i'm i would love to learn more so I'm, I'm interested to hear from you
0: yeah i'm actually a bit of an historian for of um football uh the different codes uh so gridiron is actually you know american football It's an interesting one. Origins come from rugby. It was, um, but you guys used to play it so hectically over there that people were dying, like actually getting killed playing the sport. And it took, um, who was it? Um, Teddy Roosevelt to step in and suggest some different, uh, maybe some equipment usage, um, some forward passing to prevent the ridiculous kind of like impacts that were occurring and killing people. And your game's kind of evolved since that point. And it looks entirely different now to you know its origins. But uh, the sport yeah. that I predominantly follow is rugby league. Now, a lot of people over there, they hear the word rugby, and they kind of associate rugby union and rugby league being the same sport. They're kind of entirely different sports altogether. So in rugby, you don't actually have a set number of downs, as you call it, or tackles. Um, mm-hmm. You just have open phase play. And as long as you're in possession, you keep the ball. Where in rugby league, it's very kind of similar to... Uh, gridiron, in a sense, you only get six tackles or six downs um, okay. to advance the ball from where you've got uh, somewhere you are to the trial line and actually score points. So there's no um, you make a certain amount of ground, you get, you know here how in gridiron you have four downs or ten
1: yards. Oh, to make ten yards. Four downs.
0: Yeah. yeah, ten yards. Sorry, yeah. So four downs yeah. to make ten yards. So essentially we have, and then you get them four downs back if you make your 10 yards uh in league it's not like that at all you just get six tackles um to score essentially then the other team gets the ball back paid over a 100 meter field um 40 minute halves it's high impact high intensity yeah we have some pretty big humans playing it not as big as the humans that play nfl because (laughs) you obviously have them multiple teams you can bring on and off the field but these players have to play both ends Pretty similar right. to basketball, you know what I mean. As soon as you finish your, offen- as soon as you finish your offensive set, you're now on defense. So yeah, and there's right. 13 men on the field. Um, where in rugby union there's 15.
1: So oh wow, that's yeah. a big difference.
0: Yeah, so them extra two players. Um, yeah, yeah. In in union, really provides that stronger defensive line, like yeah, filling a few holes. Yeah, yeah. But um, the other thing is the difference is in the games too is that one has actual scrums and the other one doesn't. So the scrums that occur in rugby union are legitimate scrums. They uh, they have to be packed correctly and it's like legit force meeting, force pushing against each other. Do you know what I mean? But yeah. in um, rugby league, they're just loose kind of like pathetic attempts at scrums. And all they are pretty much now is, to remove the forwards from the play to allow the backs to have an attacking set against each other for one tackle. Yeah, mm-hmm. so, yeah, it's quite an interesting um, sport, but I'll have to give you a link. We've got our grand final on this weekend, so. But the oh, reason yeah. I was asking you is that it's, yeah, so it's actually starting to expand in America. Um, there's a National American Rugby League. Um, I I've, have follow a few of the teams on Twitter, and one of them, there isn't a Chicago team yet, unfortunately. Um, Hmm. but there is a Cleveland team and they have, uh, I've been following them a fair bit on Twitter and they have, um, yeah, a really interesting logo. It's like homage to, um, like the rock bands that come from the area. So it's like, it's like a guitar neck with a skull and all this kind of stuff on it. And yeah, it's quite interesting. What's the name of the team? It's it's just, um, Cleveland rugby league. Okay. I want to see this logo. Yeah. Yeah. Look it up, man. Look it up. (laughs) It's very, oh, very yeah! I believe there's, yeah, That's you should it. be able to see all, the, yeah, if you just look up the uh, NARL, they'll, it'll come up with all the logos from the different teams, I think there's a Toronto yeah. team, so the Toronto Wolfpack, um, I believe, is it the Brooklyn Kings or the New York Kings, there's a few different teams there at the moment, so I'm, I'm just really interested in getting in touch with some of these guys as well and talking to them and yeah. seeing how the game expands in America. It's a really interesting yeah. game, man. Uh, I think you should, yeah. Um, I'm, I'm not trying to, like, force you to watch something, but, like, it's... No, I, yeah, I'm I very A lot of Americans and... underappreciate it and don't, they don't actually understand the difference between rugby and rugby league. And rugby league is a way more intense, um, entertaining, like, game than rugby union could ever kind of be. I've played both, and rugby union is, yeah. like, a fun spot. Yeah, like, but league is just high intensity and really entertaining to watch.
1: Sweet, I'm super interested and in checking this out. And I'm I'm looking now. Phoenix in Arizona, where I live, has a team, um, so that's that's yeah. very close to home. So I I am gonna check this out for sure. I have a friend who's like, he's like too into sports betting. He's like really into sports betting. Yeah, and so he's he he's like a full American sports guy. But like lately, he's been telling me about like these. He's like up at like 2 a.m. or whatever, watching these like rugby matches. And I'm like, what are you doing? Bro? He's like, I got money on this. game i gotta watch <laughs> right, so I'll, I'll definitely check it out that sounds great and you were saying that yeah. there's a there's a big game coming up pretty soon
0: yeah a grand final so um basically our super bowl is on this weekend coming this sunday so very cool yeah
1: i will uh i'm gonna take note of that and i'm sure my friend will have money on that game if it's if it's as big as you say it is i'm sure
0: well, how's this? I'll stream the game, actually, um, on my YouTube channel on the down low. So if anyone wants to watch it this Sunday, it's going to be Saturday for you guys. It'll probably be a yeah. bit later. Um, I'm not too sure of the time frame, but I will stream it on my YouTube channel so my uh, so people in America can watch it, yeah, get a bit of access to it. It's going to be yeah, an amazing game. So.
1: I will definitely check yeah. that out, my man. Thank you for, uh, for giving me the heads up. Awesome.
0: Yeah, it's South Sydney uh, Rabbitohs versus the Penrith Panthers. So, yeah, it'll be an interesting game. Anyway, cool. Okay, so that kind of wraps us up. Ross, um, I really appreciate your time, man. I really appreciate your input, your Bulls knowledge. Um, Yeah, thanks for giving a Bulls Nation brother a chance and coming on and (laughs) having a bit of a chat with me about all things Bulls. I love it.
1: Yeah, absolutely, man. We should do this again very soon. I had a great time. Thank you so much. Oh, yeah.
0: Yeah, thank you. Uh, yeah, I'm forever in your debt for this, mate. Thank you very much. Okay. So um, that's us for this week. Uh, if Please feel free to subscribe to our channel and like our videos. If you're listening to the podcast, please follow us on Spotify and all other fantastic podcasting apps. Okay. I'll see you later.